0: And we're back. We are. We're back after a very long break.
1: Yeah. Just real quick, Russell, can you can you tell our fans all ten of them uh, why we've taken a little bit of a break and give us maybe a personal update?
0: Yeah, uh, we paused recording. Yeah. Uh, so that I could go to DC with my wife. She needed a pretty major surgery with the transplant department at Georgetown that follows her care. Yeah. And uh, it went well, (laughs) but there were some hiccups in there. And so we ended up staying in DC for about three weeks. She was in the ICU for uh, a long time and, uh, praise God she's doing better. She's back home and recovering. So we're, we're trying to get back to normal. And I now have the bandwidth to be able to sit down and record another episode. So
1: that time has been pretty pretty tough on you. So, uh, guys, if you care about what we're doing, please be praying for Russell. That, uh yes. You know, he will be able to do things like sleep yeah. and eat and work out so that he can maintain his sanity. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's get into the episode. So, w- brother, we are about to get into kind of like a series within the series, right? So, our series thus far has been on contemporary critical theory. And We've looked at the four tenets of that, and then we've, we've done a pretty deep critique of, of that. But now we're going to zero in on one aspect of contemporary critical theory. We're not talking about colonial theory or queer theory or fat theory. And You know what? Maybe if we got a little extra free time and we just want to have some fun, we'll come back and touch on some of those. But, but in this episode, uh, in, in the next few episodes, we're going to dig into what is known as uh, critical race theory. Uh, so yeah, if it's okay with you, I would like to just go ahead and start with scripture. Is that all right? Makes sense. All right. So in first Thessalonians, uh, chapter two, verses three through five, uh, Paul says this for our appeal. And that's, he's talking about his gospel appeal does not spring from error or impurity, uh, or any attempt to deceive. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak Not to please man, which is very important for this conversation, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. God is witness. God is our witness, right? Amen. So in this passage, Paul, what he's doing is he's addressing the motivations of his heart, right? What are my motives in preaching the gospel? I know that you might think that I could be preaching the gospel for this bad reason or that bad reason, but I'm telling you that as far as I can look inside my heart and understand my own motives, I think that my motives are pure in what I'm saying. And then he even goes on to say, I think that if God examines my heart, he will vindicate what I'm saying, mm-hmm. right? Like I'm trusting that on the last day, God will look at at the preaching of my gospel and my actions and say, no, you really did do that for the right reasons, okay? The reason why we're bringing this scripture up for this episode, well, actually, Russell, why don't you tell us while we're bringing that up?
0: Well, in the the milieu of this discussion, yeah. So, critical race theory is is something we've been building up to, uh, and there's a lot of reasons that we needed to get here, yeah. Uh, because this is this is the aspect of critical theory that is that is most alive and being discussed within the church. That's right. And within those discussions, you see a lot of concern about motive right. on both sides, yeah. And that. Uh, can can manifest as people attacking others mm-hmm. based on what they perceive their motive to be rather yeah. than interacting with their argument. Yeah. And that goes both ways. Yes, yeah, that's right. Uh, and that can be uh,
1: really very, unhelpful. very
0: unproductive. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And so we want to just let everyone know who's listening that that our motives, as best we can tell, yeah. uh, are pure here.
1: Yeah, and we say that to each other. We can say that to you. And we think we can say that before God, right? Right. God can judge us and we think our motives here are pure. Um, which is really important in a conversation that is dominated by suspicion. Mm-hmm. Okay, now let's just let's just address our motives. Yeah. Okay, so I think our our our, our motives are multi layered, right? And and they're never one hundred percent pure. But uh, I want to address two of them in this introductory episode. So the first one is, uh, gospel. Can I just do that? Can I just say one word like we're in Sunday school? Uh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> no, our, our, our first motivation is this is the Defend and Confirm podcast, right? Our, we're only doing this to defend the gospel from error and to confirm the gospel, to promote the gospel. So what does that have to do with CRT?
0: So CRT is a threat to the gospel. Okay. And that is first and foremost because it's not true. Okay. You know, many of the things CRT teaches are false. Now, there are plenty of untrue things a person can believe that are relatively benign. That okay. That won't directly affect our understanding of the gospel. Okay. But in this particular area, that's not the case. Yeah. Um, now, how exactly critical race theory is a threat to the gospel really depends on who you are. Sure. And how it is affecting you. And, and the reason for that is, as we've looked at with capital T theory, with critical theory in general... Uh, This idea of a social binary, breaking people up into monolithic groups of oppressor and oppressee, that really defines how you understand critical theory. So just for example, let's take a look at how a black brother in the church might be negatively impacted by the teachings of critical race theory. Okay. So this brother is told by critical theory that all of his white brothers and sisters Mm -hmm. in the church are, whether they admit it or not, whether they know it or not, mm-hmm. are enemies of people who look like him. Right. They are active participants in a system that is designed to oppress, disenfranchise, mm-hmm. and dehumanize people like him. Mm-hmm. And the amount of paranoia and suspicion mm-hmm. that that creates in uh, thinking.
1: Perhaps hatred. Yeah, you hatred. Know? I mean...
0: This is a wicked form of divisiveness that will tear in a very tribalistic way will tear the church apart.
1: So would you take all of that and just sort of summarize it and say, we think that this is a tremendous threat to the unity of the church?
0: That's right. And, and okay. you, you see it even in critical race theories teaching that when you look at your lighter skin, brothers and sisters, and see material, material wealth or success— uh, you should look at that as unfairly earned privilege sure. that was ripped away from people like you. Yeah. And that creates larceny in the heart. I mean, there's all sorts of very divisive um, ideas that, that this way of thinking yeah. implants in the mind. Now,
1: if you're a white brother.
0: Well, if you're let's say you're a white brother who yeah. believes critical race mm-hmm. theory. So you believe that the claims of critical race theory are true. What that tells you is that whatever's going on in your heart is irrelevant. Mm -hmm. how you feel about people of other skin colors, whether you recognize the image of God in that person is irrelevant. Mm -hmm. You are by virtue of your skin color, a participant in an unjust and wicked system. Yeah. And critical race theory tells you that the only way to atone for that sin is to begin this process of divesting Mm -hmm. yourself of your whiteness. Yeah. Public virtue signaling and works that are a lifelong treadmill of trying to save yourself that will that will never succeed.
1: It's it's the yoke of slavery that Jesus says I I don't want I don't want for you as Absolutely. my followers.
0: and that may not be true in a strictly doctrinal way. Okay, so someone who believes in critical race theory may still sign the confession that says right. we're saved by grace through faith alone. Yeah, and yet in practical application in day to day life, they are living out a system that says you are saved from this sin by the atoning efforts of your own work. That's right. Uh, and then you have brothers and sisters who don't agree with critical race theory who are white. Mm-hmm. Well, now they or black or black. And yeah, that, and what we see for both of those groups is fairly similar, which is uh, the ire of the critical race theory camp is directed at them. And mm-hmm. they are accused of either being uncle Toms or closet racists or white mm-hmm. supremacists uh, to a degree that, you know, may, maybe the Lord is kind to them, and they're able to continue to express charity and and be slow to anger and be yeah. patient with those. And and yet, I've seen it create hardness in the heart and yeah. even more division and and even a sort of defensiveness and reflexive response to anyone who says anything about justice. Yeah. Oh, you're one of those guys. You're Social those guys. justice
1: warrior. Right. And yeah. so again, you which see, is not helpful.
0: You see divisiveness yeah. in the church through this ideology.
1: Yeah. So yeah. I think that's a pretty good summary of how it's a threat to the gospel. Uh, The second motivation that we have in doing the series is we actually really care about racial reconciliation. Yeah. uh, Which CRT would say that we only we only say that because of interest convergence and we'll yeah, talk about we're just that trying
0: to guard white supremacy.
1: That's right. So us saying that we want to fix race problems is really us just trying to further entrench these racial issues. But anyways, uh, but we, we really do care about racial reconciliation. Mm-hmm. We, we believe that as Christians, Christ on the cross through his atoning death and through his resurrection and through our union with him has accomplished something that nothing else in the world can accomplish. Right. People who should not be together, coming together right right
0: we're not we're not saying we should just forget about race and stop talking about it no 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 yeah
1: no no yeah we we want to fix uh race issues and we think the church as the buttress of truth uh should be the shining example of that and what we're so concerned about with crt is that we think it's actively working against what the bible prescribes as a way towards a path towards uh racial reconciliation um we can't speak to the motives of our brothers and sisters in Christ uh, who have uh, knowingly or not accepted uh, certain aspects of critical theory or who are trying to apply critical theory to the, to the race problem. We can't, and we don't want to, it's uh, a
0: dangerous thing to try and do.
1: It's a very dangerous thing in the same way that we would ask people to be charitable towards us and not assume the worst about our motives. We don't want to assume the worst about their motives. Uh, But we also want to say motives are kind of beside the point. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so the example that, that I use for this all the time is the grease fire, okay? So let's say you're frying up some, I don't know, what would you fry up, Russell? Venison. <laughs> Do you fry up venison in a deep fryer?
0: I don't even own a deep fryer.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, I've worked in fast food, okay? In a okay? big,
0: greasy pan.
1: Yeah, and, I, and I've worked in fast food, and I've actually seen a grease fire, the the, the fry guy at McDonald's, you know, Okay. We think that people who are trying to use critical race theory in order to accomplish racial reconciliation, in order to fix these race problems that they see. To put out the fire. To put out the fire, are like people who see the fire and then they go and grab a big bucket of water and they dump it on the grease fire. And you know what happens when you dump water on a grease fire, right?
0: It doesn't put it out.
1: <laughs> and no, not only does it not put it out, but it explodes. There's actually a really amazing video going around the internet right now of a guy trying to put out a grease fire with water, and he basically burns the building down. Can we
0: link to that? In the sure. Well,
1: yeah, yeah, we can link to it. <laughs> but we think that that's what they're doing. But in that scenario, the guy who sees the fire, he's, he wants to put it out. Right. He's concerned. He's well, trying to do the right thing. Well intended. Good motives. But your solution is actually way, way worse than the initial problem. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, but – with race, sometimes it's so hard for us to think about these things clearly. So I figured maybe let's just think about some other examples outside of race where we've seen people trying to do good and to help and and, and really they haven't helped at all, okay? So uh, one example would be welfare policies in the black family in America. Russell, you wanna elaborate on that?
0: Yeah, so, so welfare as a concept, uh, wanting to take care of the needs of the poorest and most at-risk people in a society, I think is a morally good impulse. Yeah. It's a good intention. Mm-hmm. And yet often in our country's history, the way welfare has been administered mm-hmm. and the way welfare policies have been written— has actually made things worse for yeah. the poorest and the most at risk in our society. Yeah, that's right. Uh,
1: another example would be Marxism. This one's so obvious. We, we don't want to beat the horse to death, but um, you know, you're know, you trying to help the proletariat, the working class, and everywhere that Marxism, Marxism goes, whether it's in Africa or in Asia or in a democratic society or in a, in, a, in a dictatorship, it only hurts the poor. Right? We've just seen that over and over again. But maybe this time we can make it work. Uh, another example would be the UN. Uh, the UN was created to be a deterrent to war. But uh, Thomas Sowell, I think very persuasively, has argued that the UN has done more to encourage war than any other political dynamic preceding it.
0: Well, look, at uh, China was just admitted to the UN Council of Human Rights. Mm. The Chinese. I mean, you, could, you can already see that The intent is not being manifest in the application.
1: That's right. The point is, we understand that many advocates of critical race theory, or at least those who are sympathetic to it, uh, are acting out of good motives. But what we want to say is that good motives aren't enough.
0: In medicine, they call this an iatrogenic effect. Okay. So you have a doctor, doctor sees a patient, something's wrong with the patient, and he makes a diagnosis and gives a solution, medicine, treatment, whatever it is. And if that diagnosis is incorrect or the treatment is not the right treatment, you get an effect from that that is often worse than the disease itself. Yeah. So if the doctor misdiagnoses a common cold as a massive infection and gives mm. some really strong IV antibiotic yeah. with tons of side effects, yeah. the patient may end up being worse off for the treatment than had they you know, never gone to the doctor at all. That's right. And so this, this concept is being played out in society, we think, through critical race theory.
1: Misdiagnosing so, the problem, offering bad solutions. Right. Uh, all for really good motives that ultimately just don't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Well, brother, I think that uh, that's a pretty good uh, place to stop for this, first intro- for this introductory episode to critical race theory. In our next episode, we're going to talk about the core tenets of critical race theory. We're going to try to do that in one episode.
0: Yeah. What is it? Uh, how can we identify it?
1: Yeah. Good. Well, thanks for tuning back in. Signing off for Defending Confirmed Podcast. I'm Sean. I'm Russell. Bye.